If you haven't been with us over the past couple weeks, um, we've been talking about rumors and what a problem rumors can be. And, you, you know, people, I'm always amazed at how just rumors are everywhere. I never know what's true, especially when I'm looking on an app and, and looking at news and is this true, is it not? I don't know how much to believe. But it all, always amazes me how much people love to hear a rumor, uh, how much people love to spread a rumor, um, even though we're not really sure what's true and what's not. And of course, that's the problem, right? The problem is when we believe something that's not true. Uh, when we allow misinformation to kind of guide us or to taint us or our understanding of someone or something, right? And the same is true. So here's, here's where we've been in this series. The same is true when it comes to those things sometimes people say about the Bible or the things that sometimes people say about what Jesus taught or, or teaches or how we should live out our Christian faith. There are some things that people attribute to God, okay, that just aren't necessarily right, okay? They're, they're basically rumors disguised as truth. And so each week what we've been doing is we've been dissecting some of these rumors to find out what's true and what's not. And the first week we talked about how most people say that God just wants you happy, right? God, God just wants you happy no matter what's going on in life. You know, like, are you happy? Just do what makes you happy. That's what God wants, you know? And we looked at that and we're like, is that really, is, is that really true? And then last week we looked at that rumor that God never gives you more than you can handle, you know? And I don't know about you, but I've faced some overwhelming things. You've probably faced some overwhelming things. And we talked through that. And we're like, is that, is that really true that, you know, we never get more than we can really handle? Um, next week, y'all, next week is one of my favorites. We're going to talk about doubt. And, and I don't know if you've heard this rumor, but if you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, you're not allowed to have any doubt. Like, is that true? Like, really? We're going to dive into that next week. But that brings us to today. Today, today I want to look at a few dangerous rumors that involve a heavy topic, okay? A heavy topic that has big consequences, okay? And this is your warning. Uh, this is going to be kind of heavy today because we're going to be talking about sin, okay? Sin. Every time I talk about, when I, when I do a sermon or a series on sin, I, I can't help but think of the church lady. You know the church lady? You know? You know, isn't that special? You know, we're going to talk about Satan? You know, so anyway, so let's start things off a little bit light, okay? Because we're, we're going to be, be kind of heavy this morning, okay? So I, I want to teach you a few things and show you something I learned from Groeschel. This is great. Here's, here's what I want you to do. And I need everybody to participate. If everybody doesn't participate, this isn't going to work, okay? So here's what I need you to do right now. And those of you that are online and you're at home, you might be sitting with somebody, so follow along with us. Okay, here's the deal. I want you right now, turn and just look at the person on your right-hand side. Turn and look at who's sitting on your right hand. Side. Go ahead, take a look at him, okay? All right, now turn and look at the person on your left-hand side, okay? Take a look. All right, now turn around and, and look at the people sitting behind you. Is there anybody sitting behind you? Turn around, look at me, okay? All right, say hey, say hello, okay? Now look at the people sitting in front of you. Do you see the people sitting in front of you? And, and, okay, so just take a minute, take everybody in, okay? Just kind of look around the room a little bit, okay? Now, now don't be creepy about it. Don't just sit there and stare at somebody or anything, okay? But okay, so now that you got a good feeling for everybody that's around you, on the count of three, I want you to point to the person that you think is the biggest sinner. Are you ready? One, two, three, go! 
<laughs> I love it. Oh, somebody got it right. They're like this. They're like, at least, at least they're an honest sinner. <laughs> Just like this. I love it. Um, you know what? You know what's kind of funny is that um, I've been in churches where you don't have to tell people to do that. It's just kind of anyway. That's a whole nother. That, that's a whole nother topic. Anyway, um, to be honest, I don't really enjoy that. It's kind of awkward, and I'm sure you don't enjoy it either. Like, I don't enjoy pointing out other people's sin. I don't enjoy pointing out sin. Period. I don't like confrontation. And let's just acknowledge that in our society, okay, in our culture, it's kind of taboo to do it, right? Well, we're not allowed to point out anything or, you know, it's really unacceptable to say what anybody else is doing or has done or is currently doing. It's unacceptable to say that anything's really a sin or that it's wrong. And when it comes to this topic on sin, let's start here. There, there, there's a couple of rumors I want to walk through. But the first rumor is this. We're going to dive in the first one. If you've got your message notes, go ahead and pull those out. We're just going to write a few notes down. This sermon's going to be a little bit different than the normal sermons. Okay, we're going to jump right in. I'm going to lead into some scripture here in a minute. And those of you that are online, you've got the app. And those of you that are in here, go ahead and open up the app and go to the message notes portion. You can start filling these in. But here's the first thing when it comes to sin and pointing out other people's sin. Is rumor has it, you can't judge me. Like, you can't judge me, so don't even try, right? Don't, don't even, well, who are you to say what I'm doing wrong? I hear this all the time. And this is one of those teachings, this is one of those things that really, honestly, just gets under my skin. Okay, this is that idea that if you see something that somebody's doing wrong, and you try to, you try to go to them, you try to say something, the big pushback is you shouldn't judge, right? Don't be a McJudgy pants, right? Like, don't, don't do, and I heard, I heard this all the time growing up. You know, I, I've always heard, you've heard this too, that if you point a finger at somebody, you got three fingers pointing back, you know, which is true, and that's good, right? I, I need some time in self-reflection. I know that. But does that mean that I'm just called to sit back and turn a blind eye and not say anything to anyone and just watch somebody continue to move down an avenue of sin when I know what's wrong for them, for my family, for my wife, for my kids, for the church. Let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Okay, this, this is, is going to go along with the broad theme that we're going to be talking about today and how society wants to minimize the sin that we allow sometimes in our lives that can be devastating. So let's talk about this a little bit because the basis for this statement of not judging other people comes from Matthew 7, 1, and you're all familiar with this piece of Scripture here. This is from Jesus. Jesus says, do not judge others. This is on the Sermon on the Mount. This is the big time when he's teaching everybody, and he says, don't judge others, for you will be judged, Okay? And you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Okay, so this is pretty straightforward, right? And let's be honest. This is everybody's go-to verse when they're confronted with a sin. And what they do, and what we're so good at, and this is the way society has taught us to kind of minimize the sin, right, is we go to this verse when we know we're doing something wrong to deflect the issue, to get away from it. But when it comes to this verse, what you got to do 
is sometimes we love to pull a piece of scripture out and just kind of look at that one piece of scripture all by itself. What you got to do is you got to look at scripture in the context of the other scriptures around it. You know, you got to look at scripture in the context of like the Bible as a whole and what God teaches. So when it comes to this on not judging, you got to read the rest of the chapter. And let me tell you what you'll find in the rest of the chapter in Matthew 7. You'll find that Jesus talks a lot about self-reflection, which, again, is great. You point one finger at somebody else, you got three pointing back. He moves right into that familiar piece of Scripture where you have a log in your eye. you got that plank in your eye, and you're so worried about a speck in someone else's eye. And what Jesus says, Jesus says this. He says, listen, you need to worry about the sin in your life. Sin is a problem. And this is the big point of today. Sin is a problem that Jesus came and died to get rid of, right? And yet we allow it to continue to build in our lives. So what Jesus is going to say is, spend some time in self, spend some time working on yourself, deal with your own problems. And that's great advice because nobody likes a hypocrite, right? You shouldn't go after somebody when you got your own stuff that you're dealing with. But Jesus doesn't say to stop dealing with the problem. Okay, he doesn't say, leave them alone and let them keep sinning. No, he actually says this. Brandon, did I put this next? He says, yeah, yeah, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then what? then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I love this. He's like, he doesn't say just to leave him alone. No, no, no. Deal with your sin. Get rid of sin. We're supposed to be getting rid of that sin. Get rid of that log in your own eye. Do your best in your own life. But then, then still, still offer the help. You're still called to help each other. Just don't be a hypocrite when you do it. Do it with some self-reflection. Be careful be caring, be kind. You know, and if you keep reading, there are more pieces of Scripture where Jesus asks us to make good judgments when it comes to people. In verse 6, Jesus says that we're to watch out for people who act like pigs, and it's kind of an interesting way of putting it. And then a few verses later, he tells us to recognize people who act like wolves. And he says, you know what, the way that you'll be able to judge from these people is by their fruit, whether good fruit, bad fruit, no fruit. So I'm called to look out for pigs and wolves. So there's this type of kind of this this little bit of judgment that's happening. And then I can keep going on John chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus says that when we're calling out sin, he says, make sure you look beneath the surface like you're going to the heart of the issue so that you can judge correctly. It's all about judging correctly. It's all about getting rid of that sin in your life and helping people understand that Jesus can forgive the sin in their life. And then Paul talks about this a few times. And I'm just one more example. In a letter to the church in Corinth, he hears, he hears about a rumor about a man who's caught in this sinful mess that needs to be dealt with. And I'm not even going to tell you what it, what it is because it's awkward. And if I brought it up in church, y'all would be like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> so... If you want to know more about it, you can go read it for yourself, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. But Paul is telling this church, he's like, listen, you need to deal with this. This isn't right. This sin is a problem, not just for this guy, but for everybody else. So he says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. He says, 
Paul says, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. And what he means by outsiders is those outside the church. They don't know Jesus, okay? They don't know about God's grace just yet. So I'm not judging the outsiders because they don't know who Christ is just yet. But it is certainly your responsibility in the church to judge those inside the church who are sinning. So this just all goes along to this rumor, this rumor. When it comes to sin and not judging other people. You know, it's both right and wrong. You see, you're not called to sit on the throne of judgment for anybody. Like, I'm not, I'm not called to sit there and judge whether anybody's righteous or whether they're saved or not. That's not my responsibility. That's not your responsibility. Thank God I don't want it, right? That's up for God to decide. But I fully believe that we're called to help each other, right? I, I, I really believe that when it comes to sin, right? When I, when I see a problem that's hurting me, when I see a problem that's hurting someone else, like, like I need to, to be a good brother in Christ and go to them. But when I do, there's a caveat. You, you, when you point it out or, or when we try to help someone else, the, the point is that we do it carefully and we do it humbly and we do it in the right way without hypocrisy and with love because then the message is clear and the help is warranted. Let me give you a good example of this. I read, a, I read a blog a little while back of a young lady who was caught in this awful eating disorder. And it was destroying her life. And she talked about how one of her friends really had to work up the courage to come and talk with her about it. And loved her enough to really confront her on it. And her immediate response, when her friend did, she said, don't judge me. And she told her to back off. But she said, thank God, her friend persisted. And because of that persistence, the young lady fully began to realize the depth of her struggle and what was happening. And over a little bit of time, she was able to get the help and the counseling she needed. And she said, thank goodness, my, my friend judged me because she loved me. And she ended up saving my life. You see, the problem with this, and this is kind of an overarching theme here, what we're going to be talking about this morning, is that when people say, don't judge me, a lot of the time, again, it's to deflect the issue. It's so that people can keep living in that sin or with that problem, and that's not what we're called to do as a Christ follower. So that first rumor, when it talks about sin and judging, it's, it's both right and wrong because there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And sin, sin is a problem that needs to be brought to the light. But it needs to be brought out in a way that's right and loving and, and caring. Now, now, to get us into a few more rumors, we're, we're going to keep going with this. I, I'm going to bring this full circle around. I told you this is going to be a little heavy this morning. But, but to keep going with this idea of sin and the problem that it is and how society tends to downplay it and how we do that, I want, I want to tell you this biblical story that I ran across of someone who needed to be confronted. Someone who really didn't see the harm in what they were doing or where they were heading. And thank goodness they had somebody there with them to speak truth in their life. Th this story is about King Saul. Okay, let me give you a little bit of background with this. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, you'll find this story of King Saul battling the Amalekites. The prophet Samuel had anointed Saul as king. And the prophet Samuel was very happy about this. And, and King Saul was the first king 
to serve in Israel, right? And God gives that first king a command in 1 Samuel 15. He says, listen, here's a command. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to attack and completely wipe out the Amalekites, okay? Just completely do away with them. And, and, and this leads to obvious questions like, why would God do that? Why is that such a big deal? Why be so harsh? And, and the reality is the story with the Amalekites is long and drawn out. Okay, you got to go all the way back to Moses. They were a problem. They continue to be a problem. And by the time of Deuteronomy, God makes this promise and he says, listen, I'm going to get rid of the Amalekites so that, they're, so that they don't hurt God's people anymore. Okay, and so now comes the time for that. And he tells King Saul, this is what I want you to do. Saul completely understands God's command. And he goes forward and has this battle. And when Saul wins the battle, Instead of obeying what God wanted, Saul sees all the riches and he sees the spoils of what's happened and he sees the people that they can capture. And he decides it upon himself to not do what God wanted him to do. And I can't help but wonder if through this time, if Saul is walking around looking at people like, don't judge me. I mean, come on, it's really not that big of a deal. In fact, I'm only doing what everybody else wants me to do. This is what everybody's telling me. Everybody's cool with this. It will be fine. Meanwhile, God is very upset about this situation, and God goes to Samuel, and he actually says, listen, I'm disappointed that I made Saul king. And he tells Samuel straight up, he's like, Saul has disobeyed me. He's he is living, he's got this sin, and, and he keeps doing it, and, and he knows he's not supposed to do this, and I'm upset with him. And Samuel, the prophet, he gets upset. And Samuel is like, oh, he's, he's like, I, I stuck my neck out for King Saul. I anointed Saul. I'm the one that told Saul what God wanted him to do, and now he's completely just disobeying what God wants. He's, he's doing it anyway. And Samuel, the prophet, he's so upset, he, he doesn't get any sleep that night. Have you ever been so angry about something you just can't sleep? He's so upset that he can't sleep. And the next day, a cranky old prophet goes to confront King Saul. And this is what it says in verse 13. It says, when Samuel, the prophet, got there, King Saul said, May the Lord bless you. I've done what he directed me to do. Saul's like, you'd be so proud of us, Samuel. You would be so incredibly proud of us. We destroyed the Amalekites. It was like, I mean, it was over so quickly. And we have done exactly what God told us to do. You don't have to worry about the Amalekites anymore. But King Saul's not fooling anybody. The prophet the prophet says, he says this, he says, if you really obeyed God, then, then why do I hear the buying of sheep? Why do I hear the mooing of cattle? He goes, why, why do I hear all this stuff that sounds like it's from the Amalekites? And Saul answered the next part. He says, Saul answered, well, so what Saul does is he blames it on somebody else, which is what we do in our sin, right? He's like, he blames it on other people. He said, well, the soldiers, the soldiers, they were the ones that brought these from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle. And then he, tried, then he tries to turn it into a godly reason. Here's why they did it. They did it to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. But don't worry, we totally destroyed everything else. 
When truth is, King Saul kept the Amalekite king alive. He kept other people alive. And again, I can't help but think and wonder if Saul was like, it's not a big deal. It really isn't. We're literally, we're not hurting anybody. It's, it, it's okay. We all think that this is a good idea. So again, the prophet is really upset. And he said, that's enough. And in verse 19, he looks at Saul and he says, why didn't you obey God? Like, why, why did you keep for yourselves what you had taken from your enemies? Why did you keep all this stuff? When he told him to get rid of all that pagan worship, all those items, everything. Why did you do what's evil in the sight of the Lord? The, the, the prophet is like, Why? Why are you doing this? Why this sin? And and here's the reason I'm telling you this story. A few things to point out. One, what we're talking about earlier. Thank goodness that Samuel was there to point out that glaring problem in Saul's life. The prophet, the prophet did not stand back and go, well, God, that's not my problem. (laughs) You know, I'm not, who am I? Who am I to point that out in his life, right? Who am I to, if he wants to sin, just let him sin. Samuel did everything right. And he confronted that problem that needed to be confronted in Saul's life. And then the second thing about this story is I think that Saul really approached his disobedience with an attitude, again, of this isn't a big deal. I know he knew he was disobeying God. He knew it. But again, why not? Why not? I'm not not hurting anybody. Everybody wants to do it. This is what we have all taken a vote, you know. I've looked on social media and this is what everybody else says is good, you know? Or I've read in the news, this is the new thing, or this is how it's supposed to be, or this is how you deal with troubling it. You just, you just turn to this instead of God. Everybody else is doing it. What's the big deal? Let's talk about this for a minute. And I want to finish our time just by talking about a few other rumors involving sin and how it minimizes sin so much. Here's another rumor. Rumor number two is I'm not a bad person. I'm I'm not really a bad person. That's what we say. How many times have I heard that? When somebody is making mistakes, you know, people will say, well, you know, I've done some things for sure, but you know what? That doesn't make me a bad person. And I hate to break it to you, but the reality is we all have a problem with sin. We all sin. Every single one of us is a sinner. And sin... Y'all, sin is a problem. Sin is a problem that breaks and separates us from a holy God. 1 John 1.8 says this. If we say that we have no sin in our life, we're only fooling ourselves, and we are refusing to accept the truth. If we say that we don't have any sin or we're not dealing with any sin, then we're just kind of accepting the truth. We're not accepting the truth of who we really are. But we don't like to think that we're bad. We don't like to think that we're, you know, in trouble of, of anything. And one of the ways that we make ourselves feel so much better about this is that we compare our lives to other people. We're so good at comparing ourselves to others. We'll, we'll say things, well, you know, I might do this, but at least I'm not like so-and-so. You know that person. At least I'm not like them. At least I'm not that bad. But here's the problem. The problem is, Other people aren't the standard that we compare ourselves to. We're called, as Christ followers, to compare our lives next to the one who saved us. And when we compare our lives next to the glory of Jesus Christ, we fall short every single time. 
Romans 3.10 says this, no one's right with God. No one at all. No one's right. Your translation would say, uh, no one is without sin. Not you, not your neighbor, not your friend, uh, not, not even in, in the little old church lady at church. That everybody has, even your pastor, even your pastor struggles at times. I know that sounds funny, but it's true. In fact, there was this time, I, I'm so excited about the upcoming marriage retreat. Y'all, we've got a great one scheduled for January. We're going to be heading up to Asheville, North Carolina. First time we've been up to the mountains, do a little skiing, just uh, visit the Biltmore. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope everybody can go. Um, but I remember one of those early marriage retreats that everybody was registered for. And Shannon and I, there are some things about each other that we just can't change about one another. And one of the things that you got to know about me is that I like to leave on time or early. And if I can't leave on time or early, I get my, you know, I get my britches in a wad and I get a little angry and I get a little upset. How many of y'all like me? You like to be on time. You like to leave a little early. Okay, good. Shannon is more of a free spirit and she just likes to go where the wind blows. And you know, it's just, I'll get there when I get there type of person. And um, how many of y'all are more like Shannon? Let me see. Okay, good. All right, there we go. Okay, so usually in a marriage, you got one or the other. So on this particular marriage retreat, I think this was the second one, I was, you know, it was about an hour before we were supposed to leave the house to get ready to go, which means I'm already ready to go. Like, I've got my bags packed. It's an hour ahead of time. I'm ready. I'm just waiting around for the specific time so that we can walk out the door. And that's when Shannon comes to me and she says, I need to run to town to grab a few things and I'll be right back. <laughs> now, I have been married and I've been studying Shannonology for over 20 years now. And I know that right back does not mean right back. And of course, that day, now I should, I should have been a little bit more patient. I should have been. Because she was getting supplies for the marriage retreat. But instead, we got off late, and I was upset, and we were barely talking to each other all the way up going to this marriage retreat where we're about to lead dozens of other couples through marriage advice. <laughs> The preacher doesn't always get it right. None of us gets it right. And the reason that this is important to understand is because when we believe this rumor that we're not that bad, you know, not, not really bad, that we don't have really any sin in our life, again, what we do is we start to minimize the sin that is in our life. And we keep sinning and we'll say, well, I know that I'm doing this or that, but come on, I'm not a bad person. And I'm not hurting anybody and I'm better than you know who. When I need to recognize that sin is a problem, no matter how little or how big it is. And that leads me to the next rumor. The next rumor I always hear is all sin is sin. This is another one. This is another big one, okay? This rumor, of, uh, let me, this is one of those 
rumors that's both right and wrong at the same time. Because it's true that all sin keeps us separated from God. That, that's true. Let's be clear on that. And all unforgiven sin, if our sin isn't forgiven by Christ, it, it leads to eternal separation from God, right? But the good news is that Jesus offers forgiveness from our sin so that we can have eternal life with God. So unforgiven sin is a problem, but that's the reason Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why he was resurrected, was to get rid of that sin so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be in the presence of a holy God. But let's also acknowledge that while we're on this earth, right, there are different degrees of sin. For instance, calling someone a bad name is one thing. Physically attacking them is something completely different, right? I think that we would both agree that both are wrong, but one is a little worse than the other. Now, I think that's a good thing for us to remember is that the con- there are consequences for sin. And a good example of this is found with the story of King Saul. Let me go back to Saul for just a minute. Because again, I wonder if he was walking around wondering why the prophet is making this such a big deal. Because it's not a big deal. It's, it's really not. I'm not really hurting anybody. It's not that big of a sin. It's not that big of a problem. When it really was, because in this moment, when he chose to disobey God, what it was doing was it was leading him down a path of having his kingdom taken away from him. And not only that, but the sin that he was in right now had an impact on the people around him and would continue to be a problem for generations to come. In fact, King David at one point would have his camp in the future that the Amalekites would come into his camp and steal all the women and children and take them away as captives. And then at another point, all the way to the book of Esther, y'all, y'all remember the, the, the story of Esther, and the, the king of Persia, and there was this evil guy named Haman, and Haman's main goal was the genocide of all Jews to completely wipe them out. And guess where Haman Guess where his lineage was from? It was from the Amalekites. So you know what? Turns out disobeying God, you know, it's like this sin isn't a big deal. It actually ended up having major consequences for him and for others. So that's the lie we sometimes believe, that my sin and my problems only affect me. You know, besides that, all sin is sin in the eyes of God, so don't blow this up. I can't tell you how many families have been destroyed by that kind of selfish attitude? How many people have wrecked their lives? How many jobs have been lost because of that type of immaturity? So how we live, what we do, the sin that we allow to linger, it matters. And then the last, the last one that I've always heard is this. I've already done it. Might as well keep doing it. I've gotten this far. You know, I know it's a problem. Hadn't killed me yet. Hadn't made it a problem for anybody else yet. So I'll just, why not keep on? It's not that big of a deal. This is, y'all, this is so common that this is what society was doing all the way back in the early pieces of Scripture. In fact, all the way back in the book of Romans, we see the church struggling with this. And the church, with this kind of might as well kind of keep going with it kind of attitude. Romans 6.1 says this. It says, should we keep on sinning that God's grace can increase? I love this. In other words, we can keep sinning because God continues to give grace. Like, isn't God loving? Isn't God caring? Doesn't God want to give his grace? So if we sin, that just gives God more of an opportunity to pour out his grace in our life. And isn't that what God wants? He wants to give us grace, right? Or or here's how we do it in society today. I'm going to be forgiven anyway. Doesn't God want to forgive me? 
So I, I can sin, and God's still going to forgive me. So it's really not that big of a deal. What it says, it says, should we keep on sinning so that God can just keep forgiving in God's grace? Which he does. He keeps forgiving. He keeps giving his grace, of course. But he goes on to say, not at all. As far as sin is concerned in our lives as Christ followers, we're dead to that sin. So how can we keep on sinning? So basically what he's saying is that when we come to Christ, we're forgiven. We should want to die to our old selves, to the old sinful nature, and live for the glory of God. But we don't always get this right. And I've known a lot of people who have that kind of attitude when it comes to a sin, when it comes to this problem in their life, and they're just like, you know what, I I know it's wrong, but might as well. And the problem is we keep living with it. And Christians who who are intentionally disobeying God, I tell you what, they're just miserable. And Saul was a good example of this. So, So here's what I want you to see. When Saul got close to the prophet, when Saul got closer to God, he began to see what was wrong in his life. And the same is true for us. The closer we get to Christ, the closer we get to God, the more we'll begin to recognize those places in our lives where we need help, where we're in the wrong. And listen, I don't want you, I told you this was gonna be a heavy topic today. This is kind of different than, than, than how we normally do on Sunday mornings. I don't want you to walk out of here today feeling so much guilty. I just want you to understand what society has done and continues to do in our lives when it comes to minimizing the impacts of sin. And I want us to understand that sin is a problem for everyone. It is progressive. It'll slowly take you further than you want to go and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And it amazes me sometimes how quickly people shrug off the sin in our lives when we really don't understand just how much it's hurting us. And you know what? Like I said before, we all have problems. We, we all sin. We're all going to mess up. We're going to continue to mess up. My message today, what I want you to do is I don't want you to live in it. I don't want you to allow it to fester. Don't pitch your tent and just stay there. My prayer is that we understand the great lengths that Jesus went to to die to get rid of that sin and we turn from it and we repent and we Go to him. And we lay that sin at the foot of the cross so that we can become more Christ-like. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now, what's going on in your life. Jesus offers us the way out to have that sin removed. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some of us, some of us, here's what we need to do. We need to listen to those godly people in our lives that might be trying to speak truth to us. And we may just need to stop just a little bit and evaluate ourselves and recognize, just take a moment just to recognize the sin that's tripping us up. And we need to stop offering excuses. We need to stop justifying it. We need to stop comparing it. We need to stop thinking it's not a big deal. And we need to offer it to Christ. I'll leave you with this second part of 1 John 1, 8. I told you at the beginning of this sermon, 
Jesus said where if we claim to not have sin, we're simply fooling ourselves because we all have sin. But John goes on to say this. He says this about the sin in our lives. He says God is faithful and fair. And if we confess those sins, when we take them to him, when we lay it at the cross, he forgives us every time. He will forgive us of every wrong thing that we have done and he will make us pure. And this, this is how good our God is. That's how great Jesus is. So you know what? Society is good at making light of the sin that we allow to stay around. And as much as we try to downplay it, truth is, it can be a problem, but God is faithful. God is faithful. Jesus is the way out. And he wants, with his help, to turn from it, to repent, to receive his grace, and to grow closer to his presence. Let's pray. God, God, we come before you today as sinners. God, we, we fall short. We fall short every time. God, I just pray that we would draw close to your presence this morning. And as we get closer to you, God, would your light just illuminate those dark areas of our lives that we just kind of allow to get away from us? Those attitudes that we have. God, those behaviors that we keep turning back to. God, forgive us. Forgive us, God, for how we keep that sin around sometimes. God, for the problems that we allow just to fester. God, forgive us for the lies that we've believed when we don't think that our sin doesn't hurt us or doesn't cause problems in our relationship with others or with you. God, help us to learn what it means to, to repent, to, to turn from it, to offer, to offer it to you so that you can help us. And God, I thank you that you have provided a way for us. We thank you that you promised to forgive us when we ask. We thank you, God, that, that your grace is greater than any sin that we have in our life. So, so Jesus, I just pray for every person in here or online that just feels trapped. God, trapped in, in those behaviors and thoughts and things, God, that just tend to take us further away from you. God, I, I thank you that you provide a way out for us. And I pray, God, for everyone in here that just needs to realize the harmful effects of what's going on. God, that we wouldn't sweep it under the rug, but that we would come to you for the strength that we need, for the grace and the power that we need. And maybe there's somebody in here today or somebody online that realizes for the first time, God, that they're a sinner, that they need a Savior. And if that's you and you're tired of not having any hope in life, and you want to know the love that comes from God, then just pray this with me and just ask Jesus in and just say, Jesus, I ask for forgiveness for my sins. And I pray that you would come into my life and that you would lead me. I give myself to you. And as much as I know how, God, I'm going to follow you. Please forgive me. Thank you for praying that. Today, Jesus, as we leave from here, may we surrender our lives to you. And Jesus, would you just fill us and transform us and just use us for your glory. We thank you for the love. And we thank you for the death and the resurrection that gives us eternal life with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things.
Amen. Amen.